are amazing. We love having such great musicians. So we are today finishing up our series called Back to the Future Generations. We're looking at the scriptural teachings on how it is that we're to relate with different generations. And last week we talked about, uh, for those of us with kids in our life, we talked about how to minister to and to serve kids. And today uh, we're going to do something, um, it's intentional as, we've, as I've talked with many of you, many of our pastors have talked with you, and one of the things... Uh, that many of us are uh, engaging with and some of us are wrestling with is how is it that we are to care for uh, aging parents or family members, as Holly mentioned, or even those who are infirm. And so uh, I've asked Pastor Rick uh, to do that uh, sermon this morning. Um, <laughs> that's unintentional humor. Unintel- was unintended. Um, or was it? I don't know. So here's the deal, just as your lead pastor. So I'm in my 30s, and um, one of the risks that I know that we run is being the lead pastor at, at the age that I am is that many of us who are, uh, who, who for them the 30s was a long, long time ago, um, the risk is that we can, we can unintentionally send the signal that because of your age, you don't matter or because of where you're at in life, no one's listening to you. And I wanted to do this today's sermon to let you know that I love you, that your pastoral staff, your leadership team, we love you. We love the one-year-olds that we dedicate and we, live, we love the 110-year-olds that we get to minister and service. So I want you to hear it from me. I wanted to say this, that regardless of your age, you are a child of God made in the image and likeness of the king and creator of the universe. Your identity is not found in your age or how your body is working or malfunctioning. You are defined by your creator and you are loved by this church family. And I know that there can be times where it feels like decisions are made that are frustrating or confusing and it feels like maybe we're not listening, and I just want you to know we are listening. I love you guys. I love to be able to be a part of a church family that is racially diverse, socioeconomically diverse, and generationally diverse. The best thing, I always say something to those of us that are young people, the best thing that you can do as it relates to growing in the Lord is to be around people who are different than you. If we all are part of church families in which we walk in and everyone's the same and everyone's having the same experiences, we lose out on different aspects of the Lord that we gain from being around other people. We are going to complain about one another. We're going to grumble against one another. We are going to say things that upset one another. If you read through the New Testament, that's been going on for 2,000 years because the thing that binds us together is Jesus, not common affinity. And so we must be a church family that cling to Jesus and love one another regardless of life circumstances. You hear me? And so when we engage with sermons and teachings that we think, well, that's not really directly applicable to me, I just wanna tell you, it's applicable to your church family and the Lord will be elevated and we believe that people will be blessed. And so with that, I'm gonna ask if he can make it up the steps, Pastor Rick, (laughs) to come up and to do the sermon. Come here. <laughs> thank you, Caleb. I'll be right here thank if you need you, anything. Thank you. Dude. I was wondering why you asked me to speak today. Now I know. Let's let the white-haired guy do it. 
You know, that's probably a good idea, though, because quite candidly, what we see is people have described the culture shift that's going on right now, as some have described it as the graying of America or a silver tsunami. And part of the reason for that is the increase of baby boomers and 65-year-olds that are becoming part of the, the populace. Today, it's about 13%. By 2030, it's projected because of longer life expectancy, less people that are being born that are younger, that over 20% of our population will be in that 65 and above. And I happen to fall into that category. I'm not 110. Okay, I'm on the way. Maybe, maybe we'll make it, maybe not. But you know, this is a time of uncertainty for many people that are in this position, both for those that are giving care, but also for those that are experiencing it. Some of the things that I see and hear is there's a lot of loss that's going on, loss of friends. Uh, my dad told me, he says, you know, I, I called him, he's going to a funeral. He says, it seems like all the funerals I'm going to, everybody's younger than I am. I said, dad, you're 87. Most of the ones I'm going to, they're younger than I am. So there's a loss of friends periodically and consistently. There's loss of finance a lot of times and the ability to be able to to secure and to make a living and a concern as to whether on this limited income, we're really gonna be able to make it. Will I outlive the money that I have? There's a loss of influence for people that are in this community, even though there's great opportunity and great influence that is to be given there, but the perception is, you know, you're old school. What do you have to offer? That's one of the things I appreciate about Caleb and being a part of this team is asking opinions and perspective and interaction and the sharpening that takes place from a multi-generational approach. But for many who used to be involved in the decision-making process, they're not now. They don't have a seat at the table of making decisions, and the world begins to shrink. It begins to get a lot simpler, but it also begins to shrink, and that's a frustration that goes with that loss of influence, especially for people that have been involved in the decision-making process. Loss of health. You know, it's estimated, and this is coming from AARP. For those of you that are younger, you don't understand that. That's the American Association of Retired Peoples. An estimated 90% of adults over 65 have one or more chronic conditions, such as diabetes, heart disease, arthritis, depression, hypertension, high blood pressure. You know, when you think in terms of how much of your time is going toward a, a body that's given up on you, it seems, and that's just 90%, there's, there's frustration with that. And there's some concerns in some of the material that I read and, and, and just from talking to people. A big concern for those that are aging is just the loss of balance leading to a fall, which can lead to all sorts of other downstream effects and health issues. Fraud is a major thing for those that are seniors. You know, people who are taking advantage of others, getting to, to invest money, playing off of fear into things that are bogus. Uh, the inability to manage medications when you're taking multiple medications and you can't really even keep track of whether I took it or I didn't or what's there, it requires people to come alongside and help. Too many people are not prepared for a crisis. Should there be a fall? Should there be a financial result? What happens then? There's not prior planning. And the need oftentimes to make a sudden move, to uproot from where that person is to be with family members and it sometimes means moving to an entirely different part of the country. All of these are issues that are there for those that are going through this. It also affects then those who are caregivers. Caregivers who provide an unpaid care for at least 21 hours per week, and now check this out, 
report, and I quote, the highest stress of all caregiving groups. Someone that's charged with the responsibility of at least 20 to 21 hours a week, they're an unpaid person of caring for someone that is a senior, someone who's older, that group of caregivers has the highest stress of any other group of caregivers. That's according to a 2015 report by National Alliance of Caregiving and AARP. Here's what it says though. As the need increases, the resources are decreasing. Here's what they say, and I quote, as previous AARP research has shown, we're placing a caregiving cliff. This is what Dr. Susan Reinhardt, Senior Vice President Director of AARP Public Policy Institute and Chief Strategist to Nursing in America says, by mid-century, there will only be three caregivers available for each person requiring care. That means we need to provide support for existing caregivers who are underserved by the current long-term services and support system to avoid putting them at higher risk as they age. At the very time the need is increasing and the opportunities are increasing, those who will give care are decreasing from families and society at large. Even if your parent is in assisted living, there are some concerns that come according to the research that I've done. Your caregiving duties could include scheduling appointments, coordinating with healthcare professionals, and going with them and going in with them and listening to what's being said because they're not very able to hear that oftentimes or to repeat it. Monitoring a parent's care at the facility or home, being an advocate for them, handling emergency medical calls, navigating stacks of insurance and medical bills that are confusing to anybody, but just the help in doing that. You could also be asked to help with home maintenance, lawn care, household expenses, all at the same time most are trying to hold down a full-time job. You see the problem, you see the concern and the need that's there, and the opportunity for us as individuals within our families and also as a church family to stand in the gap, to meet a significant need for the sake of Christ. Irma Bombeck, for those of you that are older, understand who she is. She's a humorous columnist on all sorts of talk show programs in her day was a resident of Paradise Valley. She started as house mama and house mother, and, and yet she was very good literary. She would write, she was a syndicated columnist. From, 95, from 65 to 96, she wrote over 4,000 columns for 30 million readers of US 9,900 newspapers. There were newspapers in the day. She's an author, published 15 books, most of which were bestsellers. Here isn't something that I had heard or I read her, I listened to her say as she was reading it about herself and her mom. And it really encapsulates a lot of what we're talking about here today. Listen, when did I become the mother and the mother become the child? Does it begin one night when you're asleep and your mother is restless and you go into her room and tuck the blanket around her bare arms? Does it appear one afternoon when in a moment of irritation you snap how can I give you a home permanent if you won't sit still? Or did it come the rainy afternoon when you were driving home from the store and you slammed on your brakes and your arms sprang protectively between her and the windshield and your eyes met with a knowing, sad look? The transition comes slowly as it began between her and her mother. The changing of power, the transferring of responsibility, the passing down of duty, 
Suddenly you're spewing out the familiar phrases learned at the knee of your mother. Of course you're sick. Don't you think I know when you're not feeling well? So where's your sweater? You know how cold it stores get with the AC. You look nice today. Didn't I tell you I like that dress? Did you take your nap this morning? And on the parents' part, there's rebellion. I'll thank you to let me make my own decisions. I know when I'm tired. Stop treating me like I'm some kind of child. But that's exactly what's happened. Slowly, almost imperceptibly. So you bathe and pat dry the body that once housed you. You spoon feed the lips that once kissed your cuts and bruises and made them all better. You never really thought it would be like this. Then one day when you're riding with your daughter, she slams on brakes and her arm flies out instinctively in front of you. Oh my, so soon. That's the love cycle of family. Don't despise your parents when they're older. Accept, appreciate, and affirm them. Honor your mother and your father. There's a lot of words of wisdom that Irma Bombach gives there, but did you hear the last ones, honor your mother and your father? Well, those didn't originate with her. As clever and as good a writer as she is and was or was, and as, as humor, much that she used that, she did not originate those words. They actually come from much further back, from the pen of Moses in the Older Testament. In two places, in the book of Exodus and the book of Deuteronomy, where there's a listing of the Ten Commandments, and that is one of the key Ten Commandments. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 16. We'll put this on the screen for you if you want to read on a digital device or in your Bible, that's great. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, and that's what's up here. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. In other places in Scripture, it says this is the first commandment with promise. Honor your mother and father. See, there's something about that that God says as you do this, if you honor me in this, I will honor you. And sometimes that's with longer life, sometimes that's with health, sometimes it's with a richer life in the amount of time that God gives us, whether it be short or long. There's a richness to this relationship for men and for women who honor their mother and father. Now we tend to look at that and think that's in terms of when you do a child dedication. You know, Jason, Shay, you guys want to tell your kids as they get older, honor your mother and father. Obey your mom. It says so in the scriptures. Okay. Well, it goes way beyond this. It's honor your mother and father all the days of your life. So it's a matter of shifting from that dependent relationship to being in a position of how do I honor my mother and father as they get older and through all the different changing seasons of life. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. You know, the, the Pharisees or the lawyers of the scripture took uh, the word of God and, and they were, became experts in it and they digested it and they exegeted it, they parsed it, they took it all apart. And then they came up with the whole system of trying to how to, to make sure you're keeping the word of God so that if God could have nothing against them. They were of the mindset that in the way that you honor God and the way that you expect to have a relationship with him long-term is that you do all the right things, you don't do the wrong things, and 
you'll earn your way in. That's the essence. Well, that's not what the scriptures teach. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or whether you're still trying to figure this whole thing out about who Jesus is and how he fits in life and all these types of things, it's by God's grace. We have a relationship with God by his grace. It's undeserved. It's unmerited favor. When Jesus died on the cross, he died to take the penalty for our sins. He kept the law so we didn't have to. But the scriptures are given to help us as people who are Christ followers to know how to live in such a way that's honoring to God and that's helpful to us. And so anyway, the Pharisees had it twisted up. And in Matthew, this is two different places in the New Testament where Jesus has speaks to this issue to those people who are self-appointed legal experts. In Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 3, we see Jesus' response to them when they come and they're trying to fault Jesus and his disciples for not keeping every point of the law. So Jesus answers their question with a question that's very condemning. I know Jesus was a little Jesus meek and mild, but he had a way of cutting the chaff, cutting right to the heart of the issue. And in this case, that's what he does with them. And he uses this commandment, honor your mother and father is the gist of that. Notice what he says. So Jesus answered them and said, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? That's the law, I mean, that's their man-made tradition. For God commanded, honor your mother and father. And whoever reviles, repudiates, revolts against the father or mother must surely die. There are consequences. But you say, you Pharisees, if anyone tells his father or mother, what, would have gained, what you would have gained from me is given to God. He does not need to honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain, in emptiness, do they worship me, teaches and doctrines the commandments of men. Now, let me explain that. Let me unpack it just real quickly for you. What these people were saying is, we honor our mother and father. We take care of them. We keep the commandment. But Jesus is saying, in your traditions... This is extra biblical. It's never commanded in the scripture. You have come up with a way to get around it like attorneys oftentimes do. Here's a loophole. If you say that you own this property or you own whatever this is or this amount of money, you say that you can pronounce this as dedicated to God. In Mark chapter 7 and the parallel passages, he says it's Corbin, which means it's dedicated to God. You say this is dedicated to God, so when your mom or dad comes and they have a need, you can say, look, I'd like to help, but I can't. Everything that I have is in trust. Everything that I have has been dedicated to God. So because I dedicated to God, I don't have it to help you with. Well, the problem with that is they maintained control of it while they had it. And once their parents died, they could rescind that right of Corbin and take it back out and do whatever they wanted to with it. Do you see the hypocrisy in that? Say, look at you are using the word of God, what you say is the word of God, it's not. You have elevated your traditions above the word of God. God says, honor your mother and father. And I would assume from this, that means you take care of financial needs as well as personal needs when there is a need to do so. Now, another biblical writer, 
by the name of the Apostle Paul. We've looked at Moses in Deuteronomy. We've looked at Jesus, as Matthew records in Matthew 15. But in 1 Timothy 5, here's a statement in verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Those are strong words, aren't they? And if you look at the context in the verses immediately before this, it's talking about how do we in the church care for widows? The church was responsible to care for widows, but you know who was first responsible to care for the widows? Their family members. And in specific, it has to do with personal needs, financial needs, housing needs, all these types of things. That's all a part of honor, your mother and your father. Now, what does that look like? One of the things in sitting down and talking with people and researching on the internet and going back at different places, and there have been hours of conversations, and I can only give you some of the input of what this might look like practically. By the way, I will go on. If you want to sit there and write copious notes, knock yourself out, that's great. I'd rather you listen. I'll jot down these things and post them online this week. So it'll leave even more than what I can talk to you about in the next 10 or 11 minutes or so. One of the things that has been said to me over and over is it's not a one-size-fits-all deal. Every situation, every circumstance is unique to that individual and to that family. So this is not to put guilt or shame on anybody. It's like, look, we need to seek what God's will is for this and then do as he leads. I remember hearing as I was listening to that from different people I've talked to here within the church of one of my former mentors, Haddon Robinson, who was the head of the, <coughs> excuse me, preaching department and pastoral ministries at Dallas Seminary. And I listened to him give a message one day about how do you determine God's will. And he used the care of his parents as an example of this. In the case of his dad, they had his dad in a care facility. And he said, I went by every single day to spend time with my dad. And every single day, he asked me, take me out of here. In her, his wife's mother's case, they brought her into the home. And his wife slept at a cot at the foot of her mother's bed for the rest of the woman's life. He said, which one is right? His point in the message was, which is motivated by love? Love is doing what's in another person's best interest. And they had to make a, a judgment call. They had to be led by the Spirit of God to say in one case, for his father, it was to be an assisted living place. And for the mother, it was to bring her into the home. But both were done by love. And he said, that's the issue. Is this love? Not just for us, but for them. And it takes great wisdom to know that. So not one size fits all. Another thought that came out consistently was, look, focus on maintaining a respectful relationship. Way beyond the specific details, focus on respect and love and honor. Uh, Linda Bernstein wrote a book, here's things not to say to your aging parents. How can you not remember that? You could do it if you really tried. Hey, I just showed you how to use the DVR yesterday. What does that have to do with what we're talking about? You already told me that. I want your silver tea service when you die. <laughs> That's wrong on so many levels. <laughs> okay? Most of my kids don't want anything that we have. 
So we're golden. And that's a world different than talking honestly and saying, and even putting to avoid problems afterwards, uh, notes or whatever. That's, that's, I think you can see this is a little different than that. Wake up, I thought you wanted to see this. That sounds like a conversation Emily and I have with each other. <laughs> Hello, your grandson's name is Ryan. You understand how quips like that cut so deeply? Whoever said sticks and bones, they break my bones, but words can never harm me. It's not right. They're lying. She goes on to say the most important thing you can do is to go out of your way to maintain good relationships. When dealing with elderly people, your motto should be reframe. Don't blame. Ask questions. Clarify. Don't be accusing. Another thing that we should do is practically reflect love and grace and thankfulness for the past. Here's something, that, here's just a list of things that someone that I talked to said that their experience was that was helpful with an aging parent. Sing hymns to them. You know, oftentimes, even if memory is fading, the words of those hymns, they will remember with clarity and accuracy. Read the Bible to them. Read cards over and over again. Employ physical touch, hugs, looking in the eye, display of tenderness. Talk about memories, because oftentimes what happens is the shorter term memory goes, but those longer memories are still there. Pictures, try to take them back to the past and to find place where their comfort zone is. Your presence, it's a power. Assure, I will always take care of you. Now, you can't necessarily guarantee what that's going to look like, but assure I will take care of you. And you know, an aging parent always wants their child, even adult child, to know I'll take care of you. There's always a part of that. So listen to that. Advocate for your parent. Here's what somebody else said that's tied into that. Be careful with emotions. They may lose their memory, but not their emotions. It told me the story about a grandparent that had lost memory, did not even recognize and then when they came in, here's what was said. I don't know who you are, but I know that I love you. That's a strong statement, isn't it? I don't know who you are. I can't mean I mention your name, but I know I love you. My mom was caring for her dad one time, and she said, Papa, do you know who I am? And he said, you look a lot like Iris. That is my mother's name. You look a lot like Iris, but no, I don't know who you are. It, that hurts. But at the same time, it's a reality. Be careful with the emotions. They may lose their memory, but not emotions. Practice patience and forgiveness is another major theme that came through. You know, parents may, not always, but they may become more self-centered. They may become more demanding. They may become more unappreciative. Uh, it's, it's a strange thing that as we get older, we don't oftentimes ripen like good wine. Uh, oftentimes we become pretty sour. And it's not a pretty picture. But understand, don't take that personally. In many cases, there is no filter. It, it is gone. And so the things that come out, my, my grandfather, who was a consummate gentleman, said things to waitresses, to in-laws, even to his own daughter, my mother, that no woman should ever have to hear. But there was no filter. And what came up? came out. 
is pretty ugly if you take it personally, where you can realize how do you do when you're under anesthesia and the things that you might say or do don't have your full faculties, even as a younger person. You know, patience and forgiveness is key, especially with siblings. Not everybody's going to be involved as you think that they would like to be or they need to be. And so it's going to require some patience, and especially when you may be the primary caregiver, and it's found out by other siblings that there may be a little money left over, and all of a sudden now people start showing up or start questioning how these expenses are being cared for. It requires patience, and it requires sibling uh, forgiveness, not just for the parents, but also for the siblings. A key thing that came out is set boundaries. Boundaries for yourself, for your marriage, for your children. There's a lot of false guilt that can be here. Just because you're not doing what someone else is doing or what their convictions are, you need to make sure that you care for the priority relationship. That the thing that I see with this is if you're on a plane and they say if the cabin depressurizes, what's gonna happen? Oxygen masks are gonna fall down. What do they tell you to do if you're traveling with the child? Put it on the child first, right? Wrong, put it on yourself, why? Because if you pass out, who's there to care for the child? Well, the same thing is true. You've got to have a longer-term perspective and really focus on this. You need to know that there's some financial limits as to what you can do without compromising your relationship to your spouse or to your own children. And you have to know and set those financial limits. You have to have set some time apart. This is loving, but you have to be able to do it. And you need to see each other in your marriage as allies not to allow this to become something that tears you apart. These are hard things, but I want to also let you know there's a richness that came out as I talk to people, a richness about the relationship, things like this. There's a joy of shared experiences where you can travel together, do daily routines, eat meals together, live in the same home, have time with grandkids, sharing of memories. You can choose to make this an endearing and positive time. And there's a richness that comes from those multiple generations. Emily had a grandmother who had abandoned the family. It's a long story. She abandoned the family and then she was kicked to the curb herself by the man that she left the family for. They took her into their home and cared for her the last 17 years of her life. But I guarantee you, Emily sees that as a positive as he talks in terms of the richness of the relationship and also watching her mother work through the forgiveness process of having been abandoned, but now turn around being primary caregiver. Watching others age well, some people do that like a fine wine if they focus on their love for the Lord. And you see that richness and depth of their relationship. When you see them concerned for the needs of others instead of being so self-absorbed When you see them choosing joy over the difficulties of life, there's a restored tenderness and intimacy oftentimes that I've seen and I've heard of. Uh, I know between my dad and his father, uh, they were both bulls in China shops. They were both type A personalities, hard driving, and they both worked in the same business, the construction business that my dad took over when my grandfather retired that was not a good thing for parent to son tenderness. But when my grandfather had a stroke, my dad was the primary caregiver and God gave a tenderness back 
and the process of caring for him that the enemy wanted to take away before. Sometimes you need to ask, what advice do you have for me? You've lived a lot of years. Great question to ask. And one of the statements that came back from a mother was, stay faithful. Stay faithful. What rich words. In some cases, a parent can become sweeter. They may have been a pill earlier on, and then when they start losing their memory, they become sweet. Pray to God that that happens. You have to laugh and not take things so seriously. I'll just tell you this. My grandfather on my mother's side was cared for three different siblings, <coughs> and they rotate him around. He would be one place for three months, another place for a few months, another, and that worked out great for them. But he was losing his memory, and one day my dad was sitting in the chair, and my grandfather was over here, and he started fidgeting and said, I gotta go to the bathroom. And so my dad gets up, and he didn't do anything quickly, so my dad gets up and he holds him, and he's taking his hands to help him out of the seat. And they're standing there looking at each other, holding hands, my grandfather says to my dad, what are we doing here? <laughs> and he said, well, Claude, you said you had to go to the bathroom. And my grandfather says, did we go yet? Now, you know, that's sad, but if you can't laugh about things like that, if you can't really, if you take everything too seriously, it becomes too heavy. And so there was a beauty to that. And one person told me that he had run into someone that was in a difficult place, and they just said, you know, really, we're at a great place because our mindset is, what does God have in store for us? How does God want to use this to help us to become more like Christ? Here's a few thoughts in conclusion. Honor your mother and father. As one person told me, he said, remember, you were modeling for your children how to do this. Don't think that how you deal with your parents is lost on your children. Secondly, give thanks for them, but make financial provisions now, don't wait. You gotta have some hard conversations. You gotta make financial provisions for yourself so that you're not a burden on your children and you need to also make financial provisions should you need to be able to help them. Talk with your parents and your siblings about the future. Talk with them. Be honest with them. I know Emily, my wife, was having a conversation with her mom sometime before and some of you were here and said, I've heard this before. Don't say that, okay? <laughs> you're not supposed to say that to an older person, okay? But anyway, Emily was asking her mom, what do you want done at your memorial service? And so they went through. There was nothing, no need impending. I mean, it was just one of those conversations that was honest. And they came up with some scriptures and some songs to sing. And then she said this. She said, of course, if Rick's still living, I want him to preach my service. <laughs> I was going like, wait a minute. But on the other hand, I thought, no, that's right. There's no guarantee that I will outlive her. Start today in making these memories, in caring, and do what's right because it's right. Not because you think that person deserves it or not. Because God has not dealt with you nor with me according to what we deserve, but in grace and in mercy. Reflect Jesus to them. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I want to thank you for the truth of your word.